And Shooter's able to hold the zone. Shooter cuts to the middle for Minnesota. Drops to the trailing Zucker. On the backhand, they score! Eric Stahl on the feed from Zucker. Sealer able to filter it down for Erickson. That shakes away from Miller and Sullivan score! Marcus Molino set up by Joel Erickson. And Stahl, Stahl to the outside. Ryan Suter has room. There's Zucker. There's a goal! Jason Zucker! Donato into the corner. Suter centers for Parisi. He scores! Welcome to the Wild Takes Podcast. I am Zane and I am here with Jake and we are here to talk the wild season preview today. We are sponsored by 10,000 Takes. The weather is cold enough, so why have cold takes? Isn't that right, Jake? Totally. It, it gets way too damn cold here. We already have a lot, too much ice, okay? We're in the state of hockey. We don't need any cold takes, okay? We, everything is hot here. Everything is hot takes. And I'm holding you to that. Not myself. I'm holding you to it, though. Oh, I mean, we both need to have some hot takes. You can't rely on me for only all, being the only one to have hot takes. We all need to be contributors here, okay? I'll try my best 100%. to my part. So today we're going to be talking the wild season preview. Um, we're going to go over last season, and then we're going to talk off season, and then we're going to do like a brief roster, over, roster overview and kind of go from there. So uh, we'll start off by recapping last season where the Minnesota Wild finished with a record of 37-36 and nine, Jakes. What were your thoughts on last year's Minnesota Wild? Um, I, I when you said that record, I, I just think of one word: just gross. It's just, it was just you finished last in the Central Division, which I think is by far probably the most balanced, probably the most balanced division. Um, obviously now with St. Louis, the Blues obviously winning the Stanley Cup, it's a very tough division, and the Wild just totally collapsed near the end of the year. I don't think it helped losing Matt Dumba. That really. Um, did not help them in the long run, um, you know, because they start off the season okay, you know, just like a typical wild start to the season. But then they always come back and, and you know, get fired up. You know, they go on a little bit of a hot streak to end the year, you know, around January throughout the end of the season. But they really just tanked, you know, at the end of February throughout, you know, to the end of the season and just couldn't find – they just couldn't – they couldn't score, you know, is the okay. big thing. They just couldn't score. They were just – it was just hard to see them play, you know, or to watch them. It was just, it was a hard, you know, hard season to watch overall, especially near the end. It was just, it was just an utter collapse. It was just kind of disgusting to watch them play. Like, yeah. It was just like, this is not the wild we we've seen in the previous six years. And I think why it made us so mad as well is because the wild really did actually start off pretty well at the end of October they had a record of seven wins three losses and then two overtime losses yeah. you know at the end of November they were 14 nine and two you know so I mean after the first two months it's like you know it's not the greatest but like you're looking yeah. like a playoff team then all of a sudden uh, December came around and they ended up going four eight and one in that month and they just never recovered from that point out um just like you said earlier the team couldn't score goals they finished 28th out of the 31 teams in the NHL and goals yeah. scored which is just absolutely embarrassing, I, I think, anyways. Yeah, I think it's just, it's it was just such a bad, it was just so bad to watch at times. Like, it was just, like, and, and on top of that, like, Dubnik really didn't look great on that last stretch of the season, you know, not putting up great stats, letting in a lot of goals, letting up four to five goals in a game, and 
we would, you know, only put up two or three goals. And it's like, we just couldn't find ways to score. We couldn't get inside the, in the slot. We just couldn't score. And I know there's a few games, I, I know, notably, you know, I think it was the Philadelphia game, I think last March, it was in March at some point where we had like a 3-1 lead or 4-1 lead and blew it and lost 5-4. to four. And that mm-hmm. happened a few times near the end of the season where we just blew leads too against bad teams. I think it also happened to New Jersey last year where we, I think we're up 3-1 or something like that going into the second period and ended up blowing the game. It's like, it was just embarrassing to watch and they, they couldn't find ways to score. And, you know, on top of that, they were, you know, leaving points out on the ice by not being able to capitalize in overtime, you know, losing a lot of games in overtime, you know, yeah. especially in that last stretch of the season. That they just couldn't figure for a long out. time too. Yeah. They yeah. just seemed to, ever since they went to three on three overtime, it's like the wild had never been able to figure it out, how to play in that in that overtime yeah. style. And going back to Dubnik too, it really seems like he, he can make the saves that he's not supposed to make, but the routine yeah. saves, he sometimes just seems like he has a brain issue and just lets in some really easy goals. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that a couple of times where it's like a low puck and it bounces. Sometimes it's, I, I, I'll give them like the benefit of the doubt on some of them. Like they're just weird deflections or whatever, but there's just a lot of them that I feel go like right under his pad. And, and then he's always looking back or looking at the ref. Like there should be a, pa- I feel like almost every time he let in a goal, it's like, he was always like looking at the ref, arguing with the ref, like there should have been some sort of goalie interference or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it it's just, it, it, it's just almost like he couldn't mentally, you know, you know, forget about the goals if he if he let a bad one in, you know. And it's just kind of you just got to get over it, and he, you know, it just looks like that mental state, like it really bothered him, like he got really mm-hmm. flustered after a goal. Yeah, I've never really seen a goalie like kind of look to the ref or complain yeah. after goals as much as Dubnik has yeah. the last few years, you know. Yeah, it, it it's it's a little weird. I noticed that too. It's kind of reminds me of like a you know some basketball players driving the lane, and every time. And every time they get called a fall on them, they clearly have their hands wrapped around the the guy with the basketball. But then as soon as the whistle blows, they put their hands up like yeah, nothing happened. What? What, what, what did I do? So it's kind of like Dubnik. It, it, it's not like a you know hard you know hard comparison, but you know it's 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 like every time a goal goes in, it's like he's looking for something else that that went wrong, or a player just barely hits him on the pad and he's looking for the goalie interference. And it's like Dubnik, you know, you just got to get get behind it. And, and go on to the next play. And I think that definitely happens with him, especially on those stretches where he has inconsistencies, where he, he does win games. You know, he will win five or six games, maybe even, you know, win four of six games or go, you know, win at eight of 10 games and, you know, have an average of only allowing like two goals or maybe even less. And then you'll have another stretch of 10 games where he maybe wins only four or five and allows almost four goals a game. And, in those games, you can definitely see him getting flustered and frustrated after he lets in a couple of goals, and he, I think he lets it get to him. But he needs to figure out to calm down. But you know, it might also be in a sense of, uh, you know, he's been going down here in the last few years that it might be a matter of he's just getting older and he's losing his, you know, his luster. He's losing his his magic that he's had when he was here in his first season. Mm-hmm. And what you're really pretty much saying is that we need consistency from yeah Nick this coming year, and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I was looking at the points, uh, the, you know, the point leaders for last year. Yeah. It's really interesting things stuck out to me. So obviously last year, Parisi led the team with 61 points. Mm-hmm. Um, Suter, or actually Stahl was second with 52. And then Mikel Granlin was actually third on the team in points with 49 points. And he played. That trade deadline. Um, so then yeah. 
leading the team in goals obviously was Perezzi. The second was Stahl. Third was uh, Zucker. And then fourth was Granlin in goals for the team in the year. And then yeah. when it comes to assists, Granlin was second in the whole entire year last year for the Minnesota Wild in assists. So that just really shows how little offensive production they got from their team. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's an insane stat because, I mean, what was it, 49 games played that Granlin played here last mm-hmm. season? Yeah, well, I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, that's just barely, a little over half of the season, and he's literally topping out in some of our offensive stats. It's like that also shows no one else is stepping up, and someone else has to step up. And I quite frankly didn't think we had that last year. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, and like Parisi had another good year. He looked pretty good coming off the you know injury of the year before, where he was out for almost half of the season. He looked good, you know. Suter looked good, um, but it it's just sad when you just see Granlund, you know, topping out on some of those stats. You know, we needed someone to fill his his, his shoes. Although Granlund was struggling there, um, it just kind of shows our offensive production just wasn't there last year, and that's something that needs to change going forward. For sure. Someone who was traded a little bit before the deadline ended up being third in the team in points, second in assists, and fourth in goals. That is absolutely crazy, if you ask me. Oh, I would say. I mean, that that like I said, that needs to change going in, in into this year, and it, it needs to start. We need to see some sort of optimism, you know, in the first game on Thursday at Nashville, which is going to be a tough game, but I mean, I want to see something. I want to see some you know, kind of get optimism. See some players that could step up this year and 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 fill those roles and in, in scoring and finding ways to create plays and assists. And and as much as as Quavo is 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 getting is getting older and and might be a cap burden right now, he's a guy that is is a smart player that can create some of those plays, create some of those assists, and that can also you know give some key teaching points to some of these younger players we have on the team. So I'm hoping something happens. You know on Thursday to kind of give us some hope and to be like, okay, that guy's going to come out and, and possibly a, a goal scorer for us this year, or create some plays in terms of assists or a few guys, not just one guy. Cause it was Granlin last year and he wasn't even here whole year, the whole year. So we need, we need a little bit of hope coming in, coming out of that first game. Mm-hmm. And obviously for looking back at last year, yeah, the offense production wasn't that great, but you could also blame it on a few factors. One, um, Matt Dumba and Miko Koivu were injured for large parts, parts yeah. of the year. I think uh, Dumba only played 32 games all of last year. Yeah. So if you have, to, like, you know, Dumba's going to be your number one goal scoring defenseman and Koivu is going to, he's not going to be like the best goal scorer, be will get you, you know, 15 in a year. And yeah. Wild could have used that production last year. But I think even more of an issue was some of the trades Fenton made that really kind of made the team kind of lose chemistry and not really able to kind of get together coming forward. What do you think about that? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, I, I don't know what he was, when I saw that, when I saw the notification come out about uh, trading Nito Niederreiter for Victor Rask, I was like, who's Victor Rask? That's the first thing I asked. I'm like, who is this player? And I looked him up and you know, maybe he's some stud center or something. And like, he barely has any stats, you know, he doesn't have good points or he doesn't have good stats, I should say. And, and I know Niederreiter, it was kind of bound. He was going to be traded. I think there was rumors going on even before last season that, you know, if he doesn't produce, you know, we might be trading him or getting rid of him to, you know, help cap space or kind of gain some more cap space to, you know, build the team for the future, but come on, trading him for Victor Rask. I mean, he, I mean, Fenton didn't even send a scout down there to, to, <laughs> to look at him before, before we, we, we traded for him. So I think that was, that was a complete stupid uh, trade for him. I think that was just a quick, a quick 
trade that he knew he could do right away just so he could, I don't know, try to just get rid of him and start, start building up cap space. So I think that was completely idiotic. Well, I, I can't justify that trade at all. I mean, I just, no, no way in hell is Nino Niederreiter, like, like, like he is not, he's way better than Victor Rask. They're not on the same level. And then yeah. on top of that, the cap space, I think they only cleared barely over a million dollars a year. I know. Cap and on top of that, even Victor Rask, who isn't even going to make the roster this year, I'm not going to make the starting roster. He's probably going to be a healthy scratch. Um, yeah. He's getting paid $4 million the next three years to be a healthy scratch for the Wild. So that was definitely a horrible, horrible trade. Yeah, I think that was just uh, – it's just it was just terrible. I think that it wasn't a good – we didn't get a good guy in return, and it was just kind of like – I was just kind of like, what are we – what are you doing? I know Niederreiter, he was very – he was very disappointing there. You know, he, he definitely wasn't worth the money to what – to how he's producing on the ice. But, I mean, might as well just keep him if you're going to get a guy like Victor Rask. I mean, mm -hmm. what are you doing? I mean, or a fifth could, round, sixth round, even a seventh round pick would have been better than taking on that contract. Yeah, I've already thought about joking, like get rid of Rask and trade him for a seventh round pick or something. Like, I mean, but I don't the think they won't do that for that contract. They really won't. I know with that contract, they almost have to keep him. So it's kind of it's it's just it's just frustrating to see that. Although I I didn't mind I didn't mind so much the Granlin Fiala trade as much as I I like Granlin as a player I like his personality I think he was a great player that fit in with the Wild, but he was kind of you know we knew he probably wasn't going to be here for at least another year or two, um, being how he was producing and how much money he would have wanted in, in the next contract so it was kind of. You know, you kind of saw it coming. Um, you just didn't know if 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 Fenton was going to pull the trigger on it for sure. Um, but I think I think it's hard to say exactly if that is going to be a worth it trade, being that Fiala is still so young. But he definitely has potential, and I think it does add. Um, you know, it makes us a younger team. It adds a little. He adds a little more talent and a little more speed to the team, um, being he's so young, and adds a little more life to the team. But uh, it's definitely we'll have to wait and see to see how that trade really pans out, and we can start seeing that you know on thursday night to see how fiala does against his former team mm -hmm. uh, one thing that i really didn't like about um those trades last year i'm not mad with the returns we got for granlin or for coil i think yeah. both uh both fiala and both uh ryan donato both can be really really great players and they honestly could mm -hmm. maybe one day be elite and really help us out mm -hmm. what really upset me though was that both bruce goudreau and the wild owner craig leopold they both were dead set on making the playoffs midway through the year mm -hmm made the playoffs you know they could have instead of tr instead of trading for young players with potential they could have maybe traded you know traded up and try to get some superstar to help the team like fortify a playoff spot instead right traded down for prospects and it was definitely like they pretty much gave the season away at that point because as good as Fiala and Donato are they last year anyways they weren't ready to be the guys yet yeah I I get that because I think that we probably could have made the playoffs if, if we, you know, you keep a guy like Nina Ryder and Granlund, but I think on the point, on the other end of the spectrum, you, you have to look at it in Paul Fenton's shoes in the, in the sense that the Wild have been trying that over the last six years with that roster, and we've got eliminated in the first round. So that's the other side of it in that sense that we have made the playoffs with these guys and definitely could, but will we go, will we, will we make it past the first round again this year? And we, we've, or, or last season. And, and I think people are looking at it that I think the, in the previous years, we traded midway through the season for those quote unquote superstars or those depth players that could boost our roster into the playoffs and they end up doing nothing in the playoffs. So I think they were doing a different approach in that, in the end to see if they could, you know, 
I wouldn't say a different approach to try to make the playoffs, but I think they were saying like Fenton was going a different route. Let's just build up cap space, get some young players now when we can get them and kind of play maybe for the playoffs, but play more into the future. But I do, I, I do, I guess I would sit more on the side that we should, you know, have kept them to try to make a push for the playoffs, even though we've been very unsuccessful in the playoffs with that roster in the past. Mm-hmm. So my main argument with the situation then pretty much is that there is no argument that Charlie Coyle, um, Niederreiter, and uh, Granlin were absolutely core players of the Minnesota Wild. And to trade Mm -hmm. all three of them like that in a really quick period of time, that is 100% like we're not making the playoffs because the chemistry is not going to be there. And I think as soon as that happened, I really think it did not sit well with head coach, with the head coach, uh, Bruce Mm -hmm. McGraw. And I really think, it really made people in the whole organization unhappy. So, you know, there could be a whole nother argument that those trades ruined morale and maybe could have even impacted the team even beyond last season and even onto this season. We will see. I mean, you know, it might, it might not. Exactly. And I think, I think obviously Bruce Rougeau was upset about it. I, I think because you could tell he was just frustrated about it, but he was also the one saying that, I, I think he said like a month or two before, or like a month and a half before the season or something that I, we are making the playoffs. I guarantee you that. I mm-hmm. promise you that. And that's, and that kind of goes on the fact that, you know, I, I had the mentality that we're going to make the playoffs and that kind of goes back with, he probably wished he would have kept that main roster together. And yeah. I, I, I think uh, my perspective is, I think at some point we would have had to have gotten rid of him or breaking up this roster um, at some point if, if we, you know, since we haven't been successful in the playoffs, you know, losing in the first round for six or seven years, I think eventually I think we would have needed to break those guys up. But at the middle of last season, I don't know about that, but I, I think we, I, I was more sitting in the boat of we should wait to see what, how this season pans out and then kind of go from there in the off season. Yeah. But then again, the argument is there, well, could we get the guys we'd want like Fiala and Donato then we probably could have, um, mm-hmm. but it's just, I think it came down to Fenton just, pulling the trigger early but now he's gone so i mean obviously uh you know he might have made the wrong decision and and in the eyes of the owner and especially craig leopold because he has the full say on whether or not fenton keeps his job or not and obviously he didn't obviously wasn't satisfied with what he was doing with the with the wild Mm -hmm. and that's actually a really good segue into minnesota wilds off season if you kind of want to lead us into that yeah so of course the first big big milestone i guess i would say or the big the biggest part of the offseason the first big part of it is the nfl or nfl draft oh my gosh nhl draft nfl drafts in april this is in june so the wild uh, had eight eight draft picks total um of course their number one uh, not the number one overall pick but their first round pick was matt boldy um who i i i like as a pick i mean he came out of the u.s uh you know national under 18 team um in 64 games he had 33 goals 48 assists 81 points i, I mean that that's pretty good over a 64 yeah. game stretch and they play some good talent on those teams and um it's hard to say i think he's going to play for boston college this year um he definitely could be a guy that you know depending on how he does with Boston college, he definitely could be that guy where as soon as the season's over in Boston college, we could call him up and play. But I guess it all comes down to seeing how well he plays. It might be a couple of years until he, you know, comes up here and then we feel well, If you had to kind of like guess, would you, do you think that he might sign a contract after this coming season? If you had to guess. If I had to guess, that's hard to say, but if I had to guess, I think he will. Okay. Being, being 
where we're, I think we're still lacking. I mean, we will have to see all the, it's so hard to answer that being, we'll have to see all the, the season pans out with some of these roster, but I think, or with the Ross, how it's set up right now, but I think the wild will, will want to utilize a guy like this, add another young guy to the roster that might have some fresh skills and fresh talent to come out, come in with, you know, some of the younger guys like Erickson, Ack, Cunning, um, Fiala and Donato, but it, it, it all comes, that's just my personal opinion um, as of right now, but very well he could have a down year or the wild might be doing really well where they might say hey let's leave him uh for um for another season but it all depends on maybe what he wants to do too they might you know if he wants to come out and 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 you know sign a contract he's expressing interest and in obviously signing a contract after the season's done in college you know we might sign him based on he wants to play and he's ready to go and i think that all comes down to that but I, I, I'm definitely excited for this player, especially in the future um, with the Wild. Um, it, it'll be fun to see how he pans out. You know, it's hard to say if he's if if he is going to be very good for the Wild at this point, but we'll have to wait and see. I think he's I think he was a good first round draft draft choice. Um, even though it's Paul Fenton, certainly a hell of a lot better pick than last year's first round pick. Um, I mean, who was that? Who was that player? that they picked last year again in the first round that they didn't even, that didn't even make the Swedish national team. Or uh, whatever. Right, yeah. That was what I was writing about was two years ago. That was with Chuck, uh, Chuck Fletcher still. Oh, that was Chuck oh, Fletcher. No, 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 no. You're right. Actually. No, the very yeah. first pick that Paul Fenton made. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Never mind. It was like a Philip Johansson. He didn't even yeah, make Phil- uh, like team Sweden's yeah. national team. Like, like their, their U21 national team or something that he definitely should have made. Yeah. Being a first round draft pick. I think that's just embarrassing. So, I think that's a much better pick to start out, you know, start out the draft um, um, come this year, um, even though it's Paul Fenton. I thought that was a good pick. Uh, obviously, he did his more homework on this guy uh, than pre- than previous year. But um, other other than that, like that was, of course, their first round pick. I think their their most via most important pick of the draft. But I think they, they got a, that guy from Russia. I know we were talking about, you know, we've talked about in the previous few days and before this podcast, uh, Vladislav. First off, I hopefully I got that name right. He's from Mother Russia. Um, but I know you were saying too, and it makes sense that I think a lot saw is this a move to try to get, you know, Kirill Kaprasov, who who you wrote about, um, trying to get him to come here. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Um, they've been trying to the whole organization really is kind of relying on uh Kirill to come over here and to kind of change the organization because he is a next generation talent. He really is. So little moves like this are definitely trying to coax him over to the U S and to put on that Minnesota wild Jersey. Yeah. I, I think that I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to make that move to try to, you know, kind of have another Russian player and um, to t- kind of connect with to build a little chemistry before he comes here. Many Russians right now. Do yeah. They? I, I don't think so. Think I, I can't even think of one. I, I don't even know if they do. I mean, that's a good stat to look at. Honestly, <laughs> to say how many Russians do you have on your hockey team? But yeah, it, come to think of it, I don't think they do. And I, I, I think, and and looking into this player, I don't know his stats off my head. I, he is a generally solid player, besides the fact of trying to get him to come here for Kirill Kaprasov. He's definitely a you know solid Russian, Russian born player that you know could come out in a few years. It's hard to say uh, you know right now, but sometimes it takes a few of these players. It's not like the NFL draft where they come on and play right away. You know, it takes a few years until you really see him maybe get into a uniform. Is he currently playing in the KHL? I I believe so. Yeah, so if he is playing in the yes. KHL, that is the yeah. second best league in the world. Yes. Like, you know, so he's going to be getting ready for a really physical, really high-level game, and that's going to be perfect because he's not going to take much adjustment time when he does come over to the U.S. 
or I was going to say he's getting that top-notch experience over there, you know, yeah. in, in some of the best hockey, you know, you simply see guys come out of these European leagues that are, are pre, you know, in good shape to play in the NH in their NHL ready. Um, so, you know, yeah. the KHL, well, you know, do, like, uh, with uh, the KHL these days are actually swooping up so much Russian talent because they can, they pay NHL like salaries yeah. without you having to be an NHL talent. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're also willing to pay the younger Russians a lot more money than they would make in the U.S. as well to keep them in Russia. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm and, sure like they don't have too much of a salary. Like I'm not too sure about this, but I remember like Ilya Kovalchuk was able to sign for way more a year than he could have been mm-hmm. due to the the current agreement. Yeah. And and yeah, I remember hearing about that. And Kovalchuk is he? And I, I'm trying to think out my head. Is he is he coming back to the NHL or did he? He the Kings last year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, because I remember that was like the big storyline. Like he's going to the KHL because he can make more money. And that's just tempting for these players is if they can get paid more overseas, they're going to do that. And still mm-hmm. and still the KHL's competitive hockey. Well, so, yeah, it's only like 40 something games a year, too. And the KHL, yeah. you're getting paid like the same amount as you would yeah. if not more in the NHL. So you're getting paid bank. Yeah, um, you do have to live yeah. in for, for a chunk of your uh, year, though. So that, keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, that's – I feel like some cities are better than the other. Um, but that would be interesting to live in Russia. I feel like – I don't know. I haven't lived there, so I can't, I can't say experience, what I would – how the experience is. But it's probably not as good of a living experience as the United States, but I, I don't know. I, Whoa, I, I can't say that. That's well, that, Jake. I, a culturalist. I, a shots taken. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry for all the Russians I've triggered. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, I honestly, I, I never lived there. I don't know. To trigger a Russian, man. They'll just knock you out before they get triggered. I know, right? <laughs> so I, I'm good. If I'm not knocked out, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm still standing. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about another another pick that I thought was interesting is, is being that, you know, you know, we're not I, – I think a lot of Wild fans would agree that we're not 100% confident in our goalie going into the year with Devin Dubnik. So the Wild did draft a goalie in that second round, Hunter Jones. And I'm kind of scratching my head at, you know, I still thought there was some better goalies on the board, but, you know, he hasn't, he's playing for the Peterborough Peets. I think I got that right in the OHL. He's played with them for like the last few years and he, his stats really haven't been all that great. I think he, uh, in like 56 games last year or something like that, he had a 3.31 goals allowed, only 90% save percentage, just barely over 90%. And I think they went to the playoffs last year in five games. I think he had mid 80 save percentage. And he, he really hasn't looked that good. However, on paper, he hasn't looked that good. But I think why we we picked him up is he's a big goalie. From from the scouting notes I looked up, he's a big goaltender. He takes up a lot of the net. He doesn't go down to butterfly too early. So from what I'm hearing is he's a smart goalie. But it's he must have a lot more – need more time to develop because the stats stats just aren't there yet. I don't know if you have any thoughts on – His style on... definitely sounds similar to Devin Dubnik. Maybe yeah. they're trying to recreate that early magic that they did have with Devin Dubnik with just yeah. a younger player, just develop them the way they want to. Yeah, that that that's what I'm thinking they're going for because, I mean, I looked up some highlights. Like, he has – def- he's definitely a solid goalie. Like, he's he's a big goalie in the net, but he's a little slow. But that, that kind of – like you said, they made a good point. Like, that matches the description of Dubnik in a way. Um, but maybe they're trying to not wait to get a Dubnik till he's 28 years old. Maybe they're trying to create one through their own system and have one for, for years to come. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I think it is smart to draft a goalie that, that early to try to get one in the system. I don't think I'm a high investment. 
Yeah, it's high investment. I know they got Capo Kakinen, I think. Kako, yeah, Kako yeah, that's a great name. I can't really say it either, yeah. but I love looking at it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. But he's doing. I guess he's doing a. You know, and from I've seen a little bit when I watch a little bit of the Iowa out in the playoffs, he's doing. Uh, you know, he's doing fairly well down in Iowa. I just think I, th- I from what I'm hearing is the talk is he's still maybe a year or two away from really coming up and and playing in the NHL. But I, I, it's comfortable to to kind of hear that we have a goalie down in the AHL right now um, that is kind of building up and improving um, to maybe be a guy that maybe step in and take over Dubnik if Dubnik can't last not saying Dubnik is going to get is isn't going to make it through the season or anything or we're going to trade him next offseason or anything because I hope for the best for him I really want to see him do good it's just it's just just in case if that if Dubnik completely collapses that we need someone to step in whether we go out and sign somebody or get get, get someone from the system but we're going to need to get a to the, it just all comes down to the consistency of yeah. Dubnik this year exactly I think that's exact that's hundred percent where, where it comes down to, um, this year, but, but I think, I think leading into helping out Dubnik on the roster, I, I think, uh, the wild definitely tried to kind of create a better environment around the net or create a better scoring environment for, for the wild. So you kind of, kind of get lay off pressure on Dubnik a little bit. And they did that by going and getting a couple players in free agency. Um, they got Matt Zuccarello, I think it was a five-year deal, and then they got Ryan Hartman. Yeah, and and um, I mean, there are a couple. I mean, they. I mean, for Zuccarello at least, you know, he has some pretty impressive stats last year. I mean, he played in 48 games despite injury. I mean, despite injury, he has good stats. I should say. I shouldn't say 48 games despite injury. It makes make, make no sense. But no, he played in 48 games. Um, you know, he had 12 goals, 28 assists, 40 points. You know, that doesn't sound bad over a course of 48 games. And then Hartman, of course, played in 83 games because he played for, I believe, in, you know, two teams last year. Um, I think it was Philly and Nashville that he played for. I think he played Philadelphia at the end of the year. And he accumulated 12 goals and 14 assists, adding up to 26 points over the course of 83 games, which, you know, kind of looks a little, you know, you know, a lot, a little bit of, you know, not a high amount of points for the amount of games he played in, but he definitely is a smart player. He had good years. I think he had a, a 20 goal scoring year for the Blackhawks four or five years ago. I don't know what, I don't know what your take is on uh, the signing or what, what is, what is your take on Zuccarello and, and Hartman? Well, for Zuccarello, like there is a lot to like about Zuccarello. Uh, but first let's talk about that contract. That was like yeah. a five year deal. I don't yeah. have a hit right in front of me, but it's not friendly at all. Like through no. the five years. And um, so that means he's going to be signed for the while at a pretty decent cap hit until he's 37 years old. Yeah. That is kind of concerning, especially with the contracts we have with Suter and Parisi. Mm-hmm. But um, but there is a lot to like about him. He's He has mm-hmm. been like pretty consistent in getting points. Uh, he has scored 20 goals mm-hmm. before in a season. Uh, he's never done it multiple seasons, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, right. Uh, I just, I don't, I mean, there wasn't too, I guess there could have been better options out there. In fact, you know, there were better options out there in terms of goal scoring, but I like Zuccarello as a player, not the contract though. I I, I 100% agree. I was going to hit on that is I, I, I've heard of Zuccarello. Like he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's like a household name in the NHL, but he's definitely the name. Like if you hear Zuccarello to the hockey fan, like, oh yeah, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have that on the wild, like a name like that, a guy that can score. Like you said, there were better options, but when we signed Zuccarello, I was happy with it as a player because he can score, but I didn't agree with the contract. I think five years was way too long. It just, it's going to put a, 
until I mean, he very well could last five years. He could have an awesome impact and play great for over five years, but mm-hmm. or he could completely go down in his third year and we're still stuck with them for two more years or we'll have to try to buy him out if we want to completely get rid of him. I think it's just, we need to go. I think a three-year contract would have been perfect for this to kind of gauge after three years. Okay. Do we want to sign him then to two years? Well, after that's this? why I also think he signed with Minnesota. I think Minnesota mm-hmm. probably was the only team offering him a five-year deal. Yeah. And, and maybe that because, like, that, because yeah. of what we get, we do get him, but we also do risk paying a 37 year old, like 6 million or 5.5 million dollars to produce 25 points or something like that. Exactly. So there's benefits and risks to both of them. In terms of Orion Hartman, based off of what I saw in preseason, I really like this dude. He brings energy to the game. He yeah. scored in the preseason. He fought in the same game. Um, I think in Chicago, they even call him Andrew Love 2.0. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited because the Wild definitely need an energy player. Well, exactly. And when they when they, uh, when they they signed Zuccarello, I'm like, okay, Fenton's got to make a move for another player or sign another player here. And I was very happy when we signed Hartman because I, 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 I actually knew the player's name. It wasn't like Victor Rask or anything like that. And I, quite frankly, don't remember a lot of Hartman. I haven't watched a lot of Hartman over the last couple of years. I saw him play in Philadelphia a little bit last year, but I, I did watch him a lot when he played for Chicago. And that's because I think we saw a lot of him when, when the Wild were in a couple of playoff series against the Blackhawks. Um, when he played on the Blackhawks, but I liked him on, I liked him on Chicago. I thought, you know, as, as much as he wasn't a huge goal scorer, he still had an impact, brought a lot of energy, you know, gets feisty out, on, out there. He creates plays, he gets assists and, and creates those plays. He's a playmaker. And I think he's a, he's a fast player that can really add a lot of energy to the team. And like, I, and in preseason in a couple games I watched, he looked, you know, he's fast player and he looks like he's bringing a lot of energy out there and he can add a little bit of a flair to the team. Um, along, along with the, some of these younger players, because Ryan Hartman isn't super young. He's young, but he kind of adds that kind of middle-age NHL or experience out there with the young players and the old players. So I think he'll connect really well out there, and I, I really like that signing uh, along with, with Zuccarello. I think it'll be be positive in the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for some reason, uh, we let Paul Fetton run the draft and free agent periods just to fire him immediately after. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? You want to explain the situation? Well, I, I know that they there were some of the hitting points on it were, I think the main point with, with Craig Leopold, he just, I, I'll go into some smaller details, uh, you know, in a moment here, but I think the main point with Leopold, and uh, you can kind of get the vibe. I mean, of course, we're not, we're not working in the front office. We don't know what it was like, but he was getting the vibe out of Fenton that, he just didn't feel like when he was walking in the locker room that, you know, there was a positive energy or he just wasn't feeling the, a, a good culture developing, I guess, around Fenton when he was being the GM in the locker room, you know, around the office. And he just didn't feel an, any optimism or, or he was talking about that in his, in one of his, uh, in the, in the press conference after he fired Fenton, he just didn't feel, you know, happy about where the team was going, even though after one, after one season, and I think it goes down to that Victor asked need a, need a writer trade in the, you know, Coyle and Gramlin trade and especially how we ended the season. I don't think he was comfortable how the season ended and wasn't comfortable on how he was handling the draft in a free agency. Even though we got a guy like Zuccarello, I just don't think he was comfortable. I don't think he liked the culture. He just, he had a vibe. It just, it was the feeling in his heart. I personally think that Wild fans should be pretty mad at Craig, Wild owner Craig Leopold right now because they're, there were tons of rum. If like if the normal public is hearing that like the team as a whole is unhappy with it, as Minnesota Wild fans were hearing like right after the season, yeah. that means that there's definitely problems going on. And yeah, 
he knew that there were problems going on. He knew that um, uh, the head coach was unhappy with him. He knew that there's just a lot of like bad situations that people yeah. didn't like the culture. Yet he was like, okay, we're gonna let him run it. I mean, I'm, I hate to say it, but if you're gonna let him run the draft and free agency, just let him finish the season at this point and let exactly. him let him do what he's trying to do at this point. Because maybe there is some master plan. Like, exactly. Like, I, I'm not a fan of Fenton, but like the, the firing made no sense. The timing the, made no sense. And then we went half a summer without a GM when we could have maybe made a trade, where we could have tried to do something to team up a little bit. It just kind of is frustrating. Yeah, I think, and yeah, that's a good point. Is I don't the timing was just off and that's what really threw me off. I guess I wasn't surprised we fired Fenton because when I, when I saw it, I was kind of, when I remember seeing it on my phone, I was actually not surprised. I'm like, huh. But then I was thinking about like the timing is a little weird. Like this is, you went, you just went through a draft and free agency. You just signed a contract. You just got these contracts signed with Hartman and Zuccarello. Why are you firing him now? And I know there was something that was probably like the last straw. Like I know some of the little things were on like the first day of free agency, like Fenton went on vacation and and you know and then another thing not even sending a scout down to draft victor rask you know and, and that's his job to do stuff like that you know t- trying to get a trade done with 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 jason zucker which i think is really a big no-no in probably leopold's eyes I mean, they had a i guess a trade that fell through at the deadline last year with the flames and i don't think leopold liked that <laughs> he tried to do that at all i don't think boudreau liked that one bit the trade zucker on top of coil Granlin and Niederreiter and I think it just kind of all added up and maybe he just like no I don't want to go with this guy throughout the season but that that timing didn't make any sense it's like you should have just fired him at the end of the year if yeah. you already were not like because obviously if you fired him then you obviously were having doubts about him right at the end of the year so mm-hmm. as soon as you have doubts and you know there's not a good culture moving forward with the organization and you don't feel the a good any good vibes you should just fire him there because that's just ridiculous on the timing of it although um going into it now we got a guy like Bill Guerin. I know you have some, you know, a lot of thoughts on him. I, I definitely think he's a good pickup, but it's just, again, that timing is weird. It would have been nice to have Guerin almost at the end of this, right at the end of the season to kind of have a full summer with him. And we'll get to Guerin in a second. But one thing going back to Fenton that I also really think could have hurt him yeah. was uh, he, pre- he ran the Predators draft. I think he was responsible for discovering Ryan Suter as a prospect. I think that he really was kind of arrogant and prided himself pretty much on the fact that he's was able to find like really good raw undeveloped talent, which is, which forced him to make a really bad pick with Philip Johansson and stuff right. like that. You know? And I just really think because he thought that he was so good in scouting that he really didn't have to do too much of the other job, which is just as important. Right. And going on vacation, the very first day of free agency, even, even if you're trying, even if you already have your stuff signed and stuff, that does not look good on anyone. Yeah, I, I, I heard that because there was like an article and there was more things in there, like in the article when he was fired, it was in, you know, I was reading it, you know, there was a lot of little things, but like, how stupid do you have to be to take a vacation on the first day of free agency? You should be in the office, you know, trying to figure things out. Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't, uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, as along with the timing of the firing, it just looks it, it just made it look like when that happened that there was just so much distaste right now with the wild organization with a lot of fans, you know, knowing in the behind the scenes that there's just kind of a mess they got to clean up. But I think it looks a little better I, I, with, with Garen coming in, you know, season starting on Thursday. It's a new slate, um, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes with, with him. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for Bill Guerin. I know it's kind of hypocritical saying that, uh, you know, if you're going to fire Fenton that late, like, like, you should have just given right. the rest of the fans. But 
like Bill Guerin, I really like him for a couple of reasons. One is because uh, he's an established player. He's played over a thousand games in the NHL, over 400 goals, um, over 800 points. He's in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, a four-time All-Star, an All-Star Game MVP. I mean, the dude killed it as a player. He really, really did. In terms of management experience, uh, in 2004 or 2011, he was hired as the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, player development coach. In 2014, he was uh, like um, promoted to the assistant GM of the Penguins. In 2016, they expanded his role to be the exclusive general manager of their AHL team. Then obviously in 2019, he signed with the Minnesota Wild. Um, one important thing to note, over his assistant GM tenure, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup in 2016 and 2017. And I know that could be trivial. He's just the assistant GM. But he, what he did get to see is a team with a winning culture, how it's mm -hmm. done, and how to do it from a GM who really knows what they're doing. Exactly. I think that that's the most important thing. And at first, he probably did have some impact with in terms of scouting and and making the right, right, you know, decisions in terms of, you know, some of the contracts. But of course, that's fully on the, you know, the, you know, the head general manager guy. But he, he, he knows what it's like when especially going to those locker rooms on those winning Stanley Cup teams for the Penguins. What what, you know, little things and what the players are talking about. What what's the what are the vibes like? What are they doing to prepare? And he'll be able to go in the locker room on Thursday night. I'm sure he already had dealt with that a little bit in preseason. You know, when we have a full roster on Thursday and we're playing in the first game of the season, you know, he's going to be able to go in there and, and see what's going on and kind of, you know, make tweaks and stuff like that. And I think players will also be more comfortable seeing him come in. They'll be like, this guy has won a couple Stanley Cups. Like They're going to respect the fact that he was a player and that he knows what he's doing. And he's been there and he's done that. Yeah, and I think and I think it's important that you know Boudreaux has a good relationship with him as well. And I think from what I've heard, you know, he has had had good ones so far. And I don't think he obviously, I think you know, probably was in disagreement with 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 Fenton a lot. And I think he, so far he's gotten a good start with 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 Bill Guerin. And I think that's super important to have with a head coach and general manager to you know create that winning culture and you know, ultimately win, you know, get to the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. And Bill mm -hmm. Guerin knows how to do it. He's been there. Um, so I and think another thing to add, too, is that he also does have nine years now of coaching slash front office um, experience. Yeah. And he didn't it's not like, a, you know, Peyton Manning situation where where NFL teams are thinking of just throwing an ex-player yeah. as a GM. This is actually someone who cut their teeth who yeah. actually knows what it's like to be an assistant GM, who knows what it's yeah. like to just be a coach or just be in charge mm -hmm. of player development. And mm -hmm. that also just like, like, I think that also will get a lot of respect with the management. So I think he's going to have not only the respect of management, but also the players. And I think that's going to be key. Yeah. I think he's going to take what he learned from even watching the general manager in Pittsburgh. I'm blanking on his name because I knew I knew it at one point, but. Well, was it Mark Rod Rutherford for a while? I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember if they got a new one though. But. Yeah. They, they just got a new one, but I, I, whoever it is, like, Obviously, the Penguins successful, successful organization, successful franchise. You know, winning those back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. He was under that general manager's wing. He saw what what he was doing to to build a winning culture instead of just in, instead of just seeing, oh well, our team's just good. We have Crosby. You know, there's things that go beyond that than just having Crosby on the ice to win a two Stanley Cups in a row. So, and he saw that, and he's going to have definitely more respect, like you said, with around with the whole organization. And. Uh... You know, he did make a few moves. Uh, he re-signed Kevin Fiala, who was a restricted mm -hmm. agent. Um, he made a huge decision and re-signed Jared Spurgeon to, like, the biggest like biggest cap hit in Wild history, yeah. like, more than Zach Crazy and Suter make per year. Yeah. So um, he, it seems like he does know what he wants to do. He also brought in Drew Stafford for a tryout who ended up getting cut. Yeah. Um, you know, there, he didn't really have much uh, to do, considering that free agency was already over and – 
the draft is already done and you know any points for major tweaks have to wait now until next offseason so he just pretty much has to sit on the roster yeah and of course unless anything happens at the trade deadline but i don't really see it's hard to say right now that's the trade deadline we can talk about that in january but yes. um but but yeah i think to to sign feel like that because you definitely resign him i mean obviously or else that if he if we don't resign him that's stupid because we got him for gramlin and it, yeah. you know it's going to happen it was just depending by how much it was going to be and and how many years and then getting that spurgeon spurgeon uh the deal i i love that deal seven years is you know you know, it, it's it's hard to kind of look at seven years, but he is a young player and he is a franchise player. You know, I, I don't think you ever want to give up Spurgeon. He's been and the I most consistent defenseman. His contract only takes him until at 34, 35, you know, yeah. around there. So it's not yeah. like he signed until he's a 38 or something. Yeah, exactly. And I think he definitely is a player where he could be good till he's 38 anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think by 35, yeah. he'll still be good. Hope hopefully he's 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 on a good trajectory to be a consistent player in the NHL. He's probably our most consistent, smartest player on on the team as of right now, and um, it's, I'm just glad to have him for that many more years because I I love watching the kid play. He's fun to watch, and he he can score goals, create plays, and he's just super speedy, and he can compete with with some of the best teams in the, in the NHL. Um, the way he plays, yeah, he definitely um he's getting paid like Minnesota's top defenseman now, so yeah. I. I, I think he probably is a top defenseman. I mean, yeah, Suter's yeah. there, but Suter is getting older. And since uh, Suter's getting up there in age, I honestly think that they are going to be relying on Spurgeon more and more as the year goes on. So let's uh, let's move on to preseason because uh, yeah. we, we're both fans of Garen, but he just really didn't get a chance to do too much considering right. like, the timing of how everything happened. Right, exactly. So the Wild had six preseason games this year. Um, I think it's normally six. I don't know. But they, they played three teams home and away. That's how they go. They played Dallas, Winnipeg, and Colorado. They ended up going two, one, and three throughout that. Jake, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, preseason, it's kind of like, you know, you, it, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt being like, you know, it's kind of like the NFL. You know, they don't play 100% of your starters. But the thing is, the Wild did. And they look like they're struggling a little bit. And one thing I noticed is they couldn't seem to figure it out in overtime. Yep. And and yep. I know this is preseason. Three, three overtime losses. And and we saw this last year and the year before is a trend of going into overtime and, and losing on those. On, it's like they can't figure out three and three overtime. Last year, I would look at as soon as they went in overtime, I'd almost just, you know, wrap around the thought that we're going to lose this game. Just give us the point. And. I, that's one thing I want to improve on. And certainly it's preseason. It, it, hockey changes the ho hockey in the NHL. Things change very quickly, very rapidly. But as of right now, we're still looking like in the preseason, we're looking like how we did last year and, and not being able to close out games and win games in overtime and extra time to get those critical points that will come to be impactful at the end of the season. And another thing I noticed too, and you'd probably agree is, is we, we did have trouble scoring and a couple points in the, in the preseason, you know, losing two to one uh, in overtime to Dallas and then losing four to one at Winnip against Winnipeg in the second game and, and so on. There was just points where we couldn't and score. Four, and even, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Four, in four of the six preseason games, the wild scored two goals or less. Um, that yeah. was like uh, their win against Dallas, their loss against Colorado, their loss against Winnipeg and their loss against Dallas. Yeah, and, and in a game, even, uh, you know, and, and they had that Colorado game where they scored four goals, um, which was a win against Colorado. But then in a game in Winnipeg where they actually scored, you know, they tied for their most goals in the preseason, which was four goals. They lost in overtime 5-4. And that also brings like five goals on 28 shots and didn't look good at all. 
Yeah, and it it yeah, it just comes on the preseason. It's kind of looking like the same old, same old. But there are some positives coming out of his. Zuccarello looked, I thought he looked good, like he's fitting in well in a preseason. And then Ryan Hartman, like you were saying, he looks super energetic, high energy in the preseason. And I'm I'm yeah, I'm definitely excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Dumbo's been scoring goals as well, which has been mm-hmm. awesome to see because he was uh he was definitely leading defenseman in goals scored. Um, and t- when he got hurt last year, so yeah. it's awesome to see that he's, he still has his goal scoring touch with him. Um, see, Jake, I'm an optimist, you know, so yeah. I like to, I like to leave the wild fans a little bit of uh, optimism, and uh, that is five out of the six games we got a point. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's better than it, I, I'll tell you now. It'd, it'd be better. It's better than go, looking yeah. at it and seeing two, three, and one. You know, we got yeah. points. You need you need to grab a points. You know, in the in the NHL. But you just I want to see us win these overtime games. It gets frustrating. Yeah. You're going to lose some games in overtime when you're certain to lose a lot of them. You know that you're leaving. Eventually, if you lose ten of them, you're leaving ten points on the ice, yeah. and it just accumulates, sure. and you cannot do that. And it's just, I'm hoping it's not going in that trend, but again, they're two, one and three, you know, it's not terrible. It's preseason, you know, it's way different than the regular season. You know, it's a new slate on Thursday, but looking at the preseason and some of the things that you could see when you watch it, uh, you know, I wasn't too impressed with some of the things, but there's still some positives to take out of it. Definitely. At three games ended in overtime, we ended up losing those all Uh, three games ended in the regular uh, session and we won two. Yeah. So yeah, we're two and one in the regular session games. It's just those overtime games that are just that look that look bad that make us look like we're we're not improving on that part of the game in which we need to. So mm-hmm. I think uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna move on to the roster. Um, yeah. So right now, you can see on your screen, uh, yeah, wherever it is, it's like a, a depth chart kind of cut out of what the Minnesota Wild um, depth chart is gonna look like. I think what we're gonna start off by talking about is their recent cuts um so literally today uh what is it monday what's the day the 30th september 30th yep yeah literally today they uh finalized they made their final cut so their last five cuts were drew stafford gary mayhew nico strum uh louis bellapito and jt brown um so they end up getting cut so that means that our um healthy players are probably going to be victor rask uh carson sosi and then we also have uh pattern a defenseman who's on injured reserve right now um now i mean i'm very excited um when 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 you look at some of these guys that got cut but are sent down to iowa like nico sturm a guy that came out of i think it was clarkson last year um that came in and played for us at the end of the year when his season ended you know i'm excited to see him possibly um play in the ahl develop as a player but yeah not surprised by like a guy uh, drew stafford that we brought in for a trial get cut um but i'm very uh, when I'm looking at the starting lineup, though, going to the starting roster, uh, you know, it's just I think a lot of people would be scratching their heads like, why the hell is Victor Rask uh, in the in the four spot or, or, or five spot center or whatever? But I think I think as I think you were talking about or talking about before this podcast that they 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 almost need to keep him in the lineup. Yeah, due to his due to his cal- his salary cap hit, they pretty much need to keep him up there. Um, but no one's going to argue that uh, Gary Mayhew and Nico Strom. Like, 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 uh, had a worse camp than uh, right. Rask. Um, but here's the thing do you want a good young prospect like any of those guys to be sitting on the bench, ho- crossing their fingers, someone gets hurt or plays bad so they can get a shot? And the answer is no, you no. don't. Rask is pretty much <laughs> trying to be nice, I guess, uh, is pretty mm-hmm. much, um, 
it's okay for him to be a healthy scratch. Yeah, we're wasting $4 million a year on him. But, like, like if he sits on the bench, whatever, at least we're not hurting his development because he's already 26, 27, already pretty much at his peak. Exactly. I think I think it's definitely – it makes sense for that. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice to see, like, a prospect, you know, like Gary Mayhew or Nico Sturm come out and, 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 and you know – even early in the season to try to make an impact, get, see what they can do in the big leagues. Um, Cause I think, I think it definitely worth it to try to develop a guy quicker than that than just try to play Victor Rask, who a guy who has struggled in the NHL and, but yeah, it's with the cap and you know, the $4 million a year or whatever. It's just, it's just almost, we got to leave him in there. But beyond that, um, you know, I, I, you know, the lineup of course, as, as you could see, you know, looks, fairly you know similar to last year you just uh, obviously now you have Matt Zuccarello and then Ryan Hartman in there and I don't know how much you know we'll definitely see how much of an impact that makes on the season I think we'll definitely gauge a little bit in the first game but I I like I mean we'll definitely see these I think these lines change throughout the season even in the first month like I think that the hottest line is going to be going out there and playing Mm -hmm. um and so that's actually pretty exciting. I really like yeah. that because that means that like any given game, anyone can be like the hero or anyone mm-hmm. can get an opportunity to step up. Um, I think if Minnesota Wild was going to perform well this year, those trades that Fenton made last year for those young players, those players have to play like top six players. And so that's a question we need to ask right now. Is Kevin Fiala, is Ryan Donato, are they top six forwards in the NHL? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say right now. Like I, I almost can't heck answer that. Like, I think they very well could be um, as yes, of right now. Be, I, I don't, sure. but I, sh- I should say, I don't think they are right now. Um, I think the Nato is definitely maybe if, if you wanted to put someone in a top as a top six forward, I think the Nato is more so there than Fiala um, being, we saw some, you know, we saw some good play by the Nato last year. If we got him from Coy, uh, got him for Co- uh, Coil, I should say, excuse me. Um, but we got the Nato. He had some good play. We saw out of him. I know he had a good over, a big overtime goal. I think it was like his first goal. In 22, uh, 22 games for the Wild last year, he had 16 points. So pretty yes. good. It's pretty good. I know that. I think it was his first goal where it was an overtime against the Blues when the Blues were kind of in their heat of getting on fire um, and, and winning a lot of games. And I think he got the game-winning goal in overtime. I think it was like his first goal in wild uniform, if I'm not mistaken. And he definitely looks – when he gets going, you know, he really can play. But I, I think at the end of the year, you know, he really kind of looked a little sluggish, wasn't really doing a whole lot. But then again, the rest of the team really wasn't doing anything. But I'm 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 excited to see these young guys, see how they can play. You know, like Fiala, we know what Cunning is like. You know, he's definitely – I think Cunning's going to still – he still has a lot to prove. But I think he still has a lot to develop. Um, and be, I still think he can become a really good player, but it's going to be fun to see Fiala and Donato um, and see them play and see how they develop throughout the course of the season and see if they can really turn into some of those top six forwards that we, not only for this season, but for the future and in, in, in years down the road. And see, every single player actually on our team like uh, has like the potential, I want to say, besides Marcus uh, Foligno, or how do you say his name, Foligno? Foligno, yeah. Foligno, yeah, Marcus Foligno. He's played on the team for two years. I should have that down by now. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, right. uh, the whole key is that we have a bunch of young players that could be good, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of them reaching their potentials, right? So we got Kevin Fiala, we got Luke Kunin, we got Jordan Greenway, we got Erickson Eck, we got Ryan Donato, right? If those mm-hmm. five players actually, they all could one day be top six forwards. It just yes. matters when. And it, I'm not sure if it's yet. I'm not sure if the time is I- now. Exactly. And you bring, uh, it reminds me of Joel Eriksson Eck. He's another player that, you know, I wasn't high on him a year ago. 
and now he actually has been looking a little better and he's like improving a little bit um he's he's getting he's, he's he wasn't a guy that we, we were looking at him, I think, when we draft him as a guy that can come in and score or be a fast player, and he wasn't doing that. Yeah, we drafted him, like, uh, three picks before Brock Besser, like an absolutely beast of a goal scorer. Yeah, and and <laughs> exactly. And Eric Sinek, I was kind of just always waiting on the last few years. Like, he, oh, come on, get get into things. And he has, I think, been getting a little bit more into fruition here in the last year, year and a half. And he has been looking better, in my opinion. I think he needs to still get better. But I do like I do like Eric Sinek, what he's, what he's becoming. I think he's improved – over the course of the last couple of years, but he still it has a lot for him to catch up to the physical aspect of the game. But I think yes. he only has. Um, he also always decimates that wild conditioning test they have at the beginning of the year. Like he sets team records every yeah. year, every single time he takes it. So his conditioning and his work ethic is off the chart. We just need to see him handle a physical game better. Exactly, and I think that that that's definitely a good a hot take on Eric Sinek. But I think just one more thing to hit on on the roster when you look at the defense. You know, you, you you have like probably arguably like probably the 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 best four defensemen in the in in the, probably the NHL. You could you, you like know the best super, top four parents. Yeah, like best top four parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you 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 got it. Um, <laughs> so like Dumba, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Suter. You know, the, these are some top tier defensemen. When you look below that, and you see Sealer, Hunt, and and I do like Susi or, or Suchi or whatever however you, however you say his name. I do like him. But you got P- Patteron, who's been you know so and so. He's you well, know, he'll probably actually either Hunt or Sealer's spot when he does return from injury reserve. Right, and I think that would be, I think that'd be better. But you look at that that bottom four defense is where it's a little iffy for me. Um, looking at it and seeing how they could really, you know, adapt after you know when they need that third defensive pairing to go out there, you know, to give the top two, a, a, you know, a break. Uh, it's a little concerning to see how those guys will will reform this season. See, last year, uh, last year Matt Dumba went down after like 30, 32 games or whatever, and mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, the team still finished like thirteenth in goals against, which is still mm-hmm. technically playoff caliber, right? Yeah, exactly. So, even with the Dumba injury, so if this top four stays healthy, um, they're going to be great. But an injury to any, I think this is this is true to any NHL team. And one injury to anyone in your top four pairing defensemen, your your team's gonna get dragged down a lot by that. And that's especially true with Minnesota, and we saw that last year. Yeah, exactly. I think that that hits it on the head on the coffin. I think if if uh, if you if one of those players gets injured, I think it's dire to the team. I think it's just huge that this team stays healthy because we don't we don't have a lot of that depth as some NHL teams do. But it is dire like any other NHL team. But we got to make sure that we keep those players healthy um, and try to move forward in the season. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other notes on the roster you want to get out there? No, I think we hit everything. Honestly, I think that was the most important points. Um, we'll just you know there'll be definitely a, that's a lot. Based on our kind of our preseason view of it, we'll have a lot more, I think, to talk about after the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. So Jake and I, in a second, are going to give you guys our predictions and hot takes for this upcoming Minnesota Wild season. But before, go ahead and check out our, bub- our buddy Bubba give his. It's time for Bubba's Takes. This is Bubba with Bubba's Hot Takes. Um... First off, I'd like to say Kirk Cousins is a god-awful quarterback, and we should have kept Case. But that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about another team from Minnesota that will eventually break our hearts, as we all know that every other damn sports franchise in the state does. Um, tonight I want to talk about Felino. Uh, I want Felino to get the C, but I'll talk about that in a minute. I want to talk about Dumba, Hartman, and uh, a guy that I like to refer to as Jay-Z. 
uh, Jason Zucker. Uh, he's just a babe, man. But that's neither here nor there at the moment. I want to talk about Dumba first. Dumba is a stud from heaven. I'll tell you. If there's a bright spot on this team, it's Matthew Dumba. And I'll tell you why. Matt Dumba, last year, in 32 games, had 12 goals and 10 assists. And that was just in 32 games, which is a great, great, great um, pace for scoring for a defenseman. I'll say it right now. He's the best uh, uh, power play. I'd take him over Drew Doughty, uh, P.K. Subban uh, on the power play. I mean, that that slap shot is just bitching, man. Um, He, I honestly think his defense... He's a defenseman. I think his defensive skills needs to get better, but I think that would have kind of that would have improved last year uh, if he would have played a whole freaking season. Not for that bum bender up in Calgary, and I'm not even gonna say his name because he just gets me in a bad mood. But he got into a fight. I think he had a pectoral or shoulder problem from that fight and was out for the rest of the year, which is just horrible. But I think Matt Dumbo was on pace or was a serious contender for the James Norris Memorial Trophy. If you don't know that, that's the top defensive defenseman and offensive defense. It's overall the best defensive defenseman in the league. I can't talk. Um, Dumba is one of these guys that will be a franchise player. And I don't have my notes in front of me. I didn't research this part, but I think... Eventually, he he should get an A. He should get the A. I think it's time to change up the the captains. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to talk about that tonight. But I'm going to talk about the C guy, and that's next. Felino, Felino, man, I'll tell you. He he's got a just a hockey family that is just amazing. His brother plays out in Columbus. I think still. I think his dad played out for uh, the Buffalo. Buffalo Saber, I don't know, I'm going to have to fact check that later, but he last year, you know, the Wild didn't have a great season, and he called out everybody. He called out Ryan Cedar, he called out Stahl. Uh, when Granlin was here before, he uh, got traded out to that dumbass city out in Nashville. I love Nashville, I'm just kidding, it's not a dumbass city. But as Jake likes to say, the guy on before that brought it to me, he just doesn't care. He throws his body around and plays hard. A lot of these guys give up, and I'm tired of that. I want him to get the C. Miko, I know, tore his ACL last year, which is a god-awful injury. He's getting up there in age. It could have it ended his career. But I'll tell you one thing. There's no one in this lineup that I'm looking at right now that has more heart than Felino. And if Felino doesn't get the C, I'll be very disappointed. He probably won't. He probably won't. But that's neither here nor there at, at, at this point of the stage because Miko has the C. What are you going to do? What I sh- should I start a, uh, 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 not a pension, uh, what do you call it? One of those things, a petition where I start, Felino should get the C, Marcus Felino is the best. No, I should, but I'm not because I don't have that, I don't have that time. I got I to work and shit. But anyway. If Felino doesn't get the C, which he probably won't, and it won't surprise me if he doesn't, or even an assistant can, just call out anybody who's not playing hard like he did last year. Felino will be good. Now, one of the 
things in the offseason, as we all know, Paul Fenton was just a god-awful GM. He made trades that made no sense at all. But he... he Zuccarello, I, I, I like the signing, but... I don't, I don't, I don't like the amount and how many years he got signed for, and I, and this team needs help scoring goals, and I don't, I don't think he's the best. He wasn't the best candidate to score goals. I understand you got to work with what you got. There's no way in hell they were gonna get anti Panarin in or whatever, Panera or whatever. Um, but this Ryan Hartman kid, man, he has a lot of potential, a lot of potential. I was looking over some of the stats. Um, he was a first-round ja- draft pick from the Blackhawks in uh, 2013. He went 30th overall. This is a guy. If we, if the Wild make it to the playoffs, which I'm not I'm very skeptical of them making it to the playoffs, Hartman is going to be a guy you're going to want. And on that third line, hell, I'd move him to the second line because he has potential to score goals. If he Let's see. In 2016, with Chicago, he scored 19 goals and 12, he had 12 assists. He had 31 points all around in 75 games or 76 games. That's not. That's not a. That's not your. Uh, I don't know the fucking word. That's not. Um, ideal for a top notch scorer but he's a guy that gets down and dirty um he's not afraid to get in the not he's not afraid to get in the corners with big boys like bufflin represent rozo baby i love you dustin but um if this guy if, if we get into the playoffs he's a guy that will drop the gloves and he's not afraid to push people around we've seen it in the preseasons he's gotten to a couple fights already which I love. I'm not, I understand the game's going in another direction. I get it. It's not old-time hockey anymore. And I, I personally, I don't really give a fuck about the fights. I really don't. But I'm not. I want a guy just like Felino, who has heart. That's all. That's I love a guy who hustles. That's that's all I care about. We uh, sign him for two years, three point eight mil, three point eight mil. I mean, there is potential there. I think it's a little bit high. He can put the puck in the net. Uh, I think last year he was with Philly and Nashville. Um, and he scored like 14 goals, 12 assists. I don't know. I threw my notes away. Um, but one thing Paul Fenton did was he got a guy with heart and soul. And that's what I like about That's the only thing I like that Paul Fenton did. Um, and as I said, if we get to the playoffs... He's a guy that I want out there because I, I know he's gonna he's gonna play his ass off. Now I want to talk about Jay Z, Jason Zucker, man. This guy is a babe. He can put the puck in the net, but last year, man, he did not do that. I think he had. Let me check my notes. Oh. Yeah, 21 goals, 21 assists. That's I I need more from him. Jay Z, I know you can put the puck in the net. I know. I think last two years ago you scored forty goals or something like that. Thirty goals. You have the potential, buddy. Just do it. Just do it. And I, you play hard too. You got heart. I know you can. And I remember watching you at the WCHA Frozen Four years ago, dude. You were a bomb ass player. And 
you're a guy that needs to be on top of the list. You should be a perennial all-star. So that's all I have to say about that. Next and finally, I want to talk about the Minnesota Wild as a whole and what I expect for the season. They start on Thursday against Nashville. I think if... Uh, I don't expect them to make the playoffs this year, which is really sad. But if Dunick plays good, which he always does, he he's a he's a guy that gets over 28 wins a year. And in the last few years, he's had 30 wins. But he needs he needs to stop being lazy, and he needs to he just needs to play out of his mind. And I think if the Wild do get to the playoffs, it's going to be because of him. And like guys like Jay Z uh, putting the puck in the neck, him and Zach Parise. Um, and I'm looking, Donato needs to step the fuck up. Uh, Stahl, I mean, fuck, he didn't want to get traded last year. He wanted to stay close to Thunder Bay, which is up in Ontario, about four or five, actually six hours. Get it to fuck together. This is what I'm talking about. The Twins, you're doing great. I hope you win the series. The Vikings, they suck. This is my, this is it, man. Th- this team... I expect to make the playoffs, but as I said, they're not going to do shit. I think they're going to be... I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the division, or the conference, the central division, but... they Because they, we're in the best division in the NHL. We need to get it together. We need to fucking just fucking play hard. Ugh. And if we don't do that, well, I mean, as a Minnesota fan, I... Nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing baffles me. Nothing. I'm not scared of nothing. Just get to the plastic. We saw it this year. Get, we got guys like Cartman and Felino. Just drop the gloves and play hockey, baby. This is Bubba Takes. I hope you liked it. Peace the fuck out. Thank you, Bubba, for your hot takes. Yeah, thank you very much, buddy. But very entertaining as always. Now it's time for Jake and I to give our predictions and hot takes for this upcoming wild season first one is going to be do you think the team's going to make the playoffs jake i'll hand this one off to you as of right now it's honestly hard to say nhl is funny and weird but if everything stays healthy and with additions to zuccarello and Harmon, i think we'll make the playoffs although how far we're going to make it i i don't know i mean what do you think i think that we're not going to make the playoffs. Preseason proved to me that we still suck three on three, and it also proved to me that we still suck scoring goals. We're trying to ask someone, Ryan Ducarella, who's never had to be the primary goal scorer on his team, to potentially score 30 goals this year, which he's never done. We're asking a Zucker to be way better than he was last year when he only got 42 points. We're asking a lot. Of, we're asking also a lot of uh, young prospects to be stepping up. And let's say even all that happens, which I think, hey, there could be a chance all this stuff lines up right and it does happen. We're still in the central division, the top division by far, where I think there's what, seven teams in the central, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so out of the seven teams, I think five of the central teams are going to make the playoffs and three teams from the Pacific are going to make the playoffs, meaning that both, uh, both um, wild card spots are going to be held by central team, central division teams this year. That's just such a deep division, you know? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going on, who do you think is going to be the team MVP? You know, I really have kind of like three guys that I'm I'm thinking of. It, it's hard to say, put it down to one, but I'm thinking it's going to either be Spurgeon, Parisi, or Zuccarello. And it comes down to, I know that, I, th- I think it's a big thing that Dumba might, could lead the NHL in scoring by a defenseman, but I think Spurgeon, you know, I, I think he's going to put up, an, I think he's going to put up enough assists, maybe even enough goals to 
um, prove himself as maybe being worthy as team MVP and being a big impact on that defensive side and and helping out on that part of the uh, part of the part of the ice. But I think if it comes down to Parisi or Zuccarello coming to Parisi, just having another stellar year as old as he is, and maybe even a better year, and we cruise into the playoffs, but then Zuccarello being the new guy, he just continues what he did in his 48 games last year, brings it into this season as a totally healthy year. I think if he has a full-on healthy year, continues in the momentum he had last year, I think he could easily win team MVP. I agree. Any of those guys could win it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have a really hot take, so I'm going to save it for the hot takes. But if I'm yeah. going to go safe right now, and this is even not safe, right? Um, right. I'm going Matt Dumba as a team yeah. MVP. He can lead uh, the league in goals as a defenseman, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if he is healthy all year, which hopefully he will be, I think that he's going to be amazing. I agree. Yep. And then I got one last question for you before we get into our hot takes. Which AHL player? that starts the year with Iowa has the biggest chance of getting called up mid season and making an impact on this Minnesota wild roster. I think the biggest guy right now, and to me uh, easily, it would probably be Nico Sturm. Uh, the guy that we got out of Clarkson last year. I mean, in 39 games out in, out in Clarkson, you know, he had 14 points or 14 goals, 31 assists and 41 points. And he came in last year and actually looked like he still needs to develop a little bit, get involved with it. But he's a big physical guy uh, that can get up front and and really beat up some players. So I think, you know, if we're, we're, we're lacking in some of that talent or needed someone to come and fill in a role of an injured player, I think he definitely will have the highest chance of coming up and definitely making an impact for the Wild. That's really, really, like, smart choice. I actually almost picked him, but in the end, I decided to go with Gary Mayhew. And the yeah. reason is is because last year he actually set an Iowa Wild franchise record with the most goals in a season by an Iowa Wild player, which mm-hmm. was 27. And obviously the Minnesota Wild have had issues with scoring goals. So maybe he could he could be the answer. You don't know, but uh, that's my prediction for who's going to come up in the middle of the season and potentially make a big impact. Yeah, I would agree. I think Gary Mayhew and, and Nico Stern are probably the two guys that have the biggest chances right now. As of right now, that would probably be called up from from our affiliate down in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. So now it's everyone's favorite time. It's hot take time. Jake, give us three hot takes about this Minnesota Wild season. Let's hear them. Okay, first one, I don't like Sealer or Hunt. I think they're sluggish, though, defensemen. Hunt only had five points in 29 games last year. I think it was utterly stupid to pick him up. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I, I like that he's a... I like he's a homegrown guy. Or, or I mean, he played for Bemidji at least. I know that from that much. But I mean, come on. I just he's slow out there. He 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 could not compete. I think we even moved him up the forward at one point. Like, what are you doing? I did. I I I just didn't like that. And Sealer, I mean, he shows potential. But my God, I swear he let it. He, he so many he deflected so many pucks into our own net just by yeah. standing right in Dubnik and putting going down in the kneeling position. Like, what are you doing? Come on, man, do something better. So I don't like. I don't like either of those defensemen. I think they could slow us down. Now, my second hot take, I think Fiala, Donato, and Cunning will all at least have 10 goals this year. And I think Donato or Fiala will definitely have over 20 goals, maybe even both. I think I think that may be a little too far, but I think one of them will get over 20 goals this year. I think and and that that's I just think some of those young guys will come together. One of them will pop out more than the rest um throughout the year. But the, you know, of course, time will tell. And then my third one is as much as people still don't like him, I still like that Koivu's on the team for now. I think he adds veteran presence. I think he's a smart playmaker that was that we were lacking last season when he was out. I still like Koivu on the team, even though he, you know, he's getting old. He's kind of a burden on our cap. I do still like that he's on the team, and that's and I I, I have a wild card take. I think well, I think let's hear the wild card take. Uh, wild card take. I think if Dubnik does not find consistency this season. 
He will be gone in the offseason and we'll be looking for a new goalie. Oh, my yeah. God. That was yeah. a hot take right yep. there. Mm-hmm. Pringle, oh ladies and gentlemen. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. No. <laughs> I guess I'll go ahead and I will dive into my three yes. hot takes. My very first one today is that Matt Dumba will lead the NHL in goals by a defenseman this year. When he got injured last year, he was already leading the league in goals by a defenseman. Um, he has an amazing shot, deadly on the power play. I think the whole power play is pretty much just set up to get Matt Dumba one timer. Um, my second hot take of the year is that Ryan Donato is going to score 25 goals for the Minnesota Wild this year and B team MVP. See, I needed to say that hot take. I honestly love this kid. 16 points in 22 games for the Wild last year. And Boston, he was unmotivated. He was on the fourth line. Um, I think that Coyle played good in the playoffs for Boston, but I really, really think that we won this trade, actually. I really, really like Donato. Huge, huge fan. My very final take for today is not one that many Minnesota Wild fans are going to be happy with, or any Minnesota Wild fan for that matter. And that is that Jason Zucker is going to have less than 40 points this year. No. I know, right? I don't want to no. say it. I like Jason Zucker, and I hope I'm wrong. Last year, though, he only had 42 points in 81 games, 21 goals, 21 assists. That was down from the year before, and I think might have even been down the year before that. Um, so, obviously, he was on the market a lot and he was trying to get traded a lot by Fenton. I honestly think that he is unhappy and he does not want to be in Minnesota anymore. I, even with the new GM, I really, I really am wondering where Zucker's head, head is at. And I guess, are we throwing wildcard takes now? Is that what we're doing? I just, I just had that. I kind of just thought of it. You wildcard take. I don't care. Well, yeah. Okay. We're going to do a wildcard take. Um, my wildcard take is that Parisi despite what everyone is saying, is actually still motivated and still ready to go and still is going to win a Stanley Cup before he's retired. That's a super hot take. So you know, it might be even hotter. It not be with the Wild, right? Because I honestly think another team might take him if the Wild suck this year. I think that the Wild will trade him, and I think that some team might go for him. That's hot. But I think even bad. the hotter take is he is he's going to win a Stanley Cup, but it is going to be with Minnesota. Oh, it's going to happen before he retires. Be You're in hell with that take, buddy. Oh, in yeah, I'm in hell with that. That's a, that's a hot take right there. Well, we, don't have, we don't have time for cold takes here. We don't have time for that. It's cold here anyways, man. It's just way too cold. Man. It's getting colder already. It's October. This is this has been the Wild Takes podcast. Jake and I are going to do this once a month, and our buddy Bubba will be there along the way as well. Thank you very much for sticking with us, and we'll see you next month. Isn't that right, Jake? Yeah, we'll see you next month. And make sure to go on 10,000takesmn.com, check out our Wild blog, and we write about any other thing Minnesota as well, but specifically this is about the Wild. Check out our Wild blog. Check out our other content. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter. We hope you guys see us soon. Check out the rundown that happens also, or that's released every Tuesday, where we just talk about general all Minnesota sports. Weather is cold enough. We don't need cold takes. See you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.